0: Tonight we're going to read uh, and study the first seven verses in chapter 13. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, if you would please follow along with me. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Honor to whom honor is owed. Allow me to, re- uh, allow me to pray for us one last time. <clears throat> Lord God, as we just sang uh, and confessed with one another, uh, You are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. God, we, You are worthy of all worship and worthy of all praise and all glory. And even as we come here tonight... And as even right now as we approach your word, we ask that you would be honored and glorified in this time. We ask that we would worship you in this time. That we would exalt you. Praise your name. Lord, I ask that you would guide my tongue to speak your truth. I pray your spirit would convict our hearts. I pray, God, that we would not become prideful. I pray we would not be self-righteous; that we would uh, instead rely on your grace in the works of Christ. Lord, we ask that you'd be with us in this time. Help us and grow us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, growing up, uh, I would often hear people say something like this: "There, there are two things you don't bring up in a family dinner." <laughs> Uh, or maybe, let's say, I was going to meet my girlfriend's parents for the first time. Someone would say, there are two things you don't want to bring up. Anyone know what those two things are? Religion and politics. Religion and politics. Some of you guys got it, yes. Religion and politics. And when I was younger, I didn't quite understand why. Uh, I, I like, why, why not bring them up, I thought. Uh, what's, what's so wrong with religion and politics? Why is everyone so scared to talk about it? Uh, and as I got older... I I realized uh, maybe how how sensitive those topics are to people. Um, I I realized that people have strong and and personal opinions uh, on both. Uh, And I also realized that as a young person that I I wasn't very interested in politics. Uh, So it didn't really matter. I wasn't going to bring it up uh, because it wasn't really anything I wanted to talk about. Um, I I, I would hear people talk about politics uh, and really not be interested at all. Uh, and maybe the same is the case for many of you. And so why why talk about politics uh, at youth group? Uh, if you shouldn't talk about it at family dinners, why, why talk about it here? Uh, if most youth probably aren't that interested in the topic of politics, uh, why talk about it here? Why talk about it Wednesday night at, at youth group? Why? Because the Word of God speaks on it. Uh, And therefore, it's important for us to understand what God says about it. It's important for us to live by it. And here in this passage, uh, Paul gets a little political. Now, remember, Paul is talking about living a sacrificial life to God. All right. Again, I know it's been a few weeks since we've been in Romans. so I want to remind us of that. That in light of the gospel, in light of everything we talked about in chapters one through eleven, This is how the Christian is to respond. The gospel changes everything. That it changes your relationship with God. It changes your identity. It changes your eternal destiny. And it changes how you live your life here on earth. And in chapter 12, if you remember, Paul addressed that the gospel changes how the Christian interacts with believers in the body of Christ. That the gospel changes how the Christian interacts with non-Christians, even with those who persecute them, even their enemies. And now here at the beginning of chapter 13, we see that Paul now addresses that the gospel changes how the Christian interacts with their governing authorities. Being a new creation, having a renewed mind and living a life of sacrifice to God changes the way in which we ought to view and speak of. And interact with our governing authorities. This is what Paul speaks of here in this passage, in these first seven verses. In light of living a sacrificial life to God, how is the Christian to interact and respond to their governing authorities? And so in this passage, we're going to explore three commands for the Christian. In regards to their governing authorities, three commands for the Christian, and then four reasons why we should follow these commands. So we're going to kind of jump all over the place in these seven verses, but that's kind of how I want to lay out the the evening. All right. Three commands and then four reasons. So first we see the commands. We're going to see these commands in verse one and then also at the end of this passage in verse six and seven. The first is this. Christians are to be subject to their authorities. Christians are to be subject to their authorities. It says it quite clearly there in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. We're going to spend a lot of our time right here on this one point. That's the first command. Be subject to the governing authorities. And the verb there, to be subject, that verb itself is a military term that refers to soldiers Placing themselves under the authority of those with higher rank. And the tense of that verb suggests that, that not only do we continue to do so, but we willingly do this. We willingly put ourselves in subjection to those over us. What Paul's is saying is that the Christian willingly, continually places themselves under submission to the governing authorities. No other conditions, no other qualifications. It is a command that the Christian willingly does so. Now, who are these authorities? Well, they are our president, our governor, our policemen and women, just to name a few. And while this context is talking about governing authorities, I do believe that the principles can relate to other authorities given to us by God as well, such as teachers and church leaders and parents. But the context is referring to governing authorities. One way, in which, one way in which the Christian is to live a sacrificial life to God is by being subject to these authorities. That we place ourselves under their rule. We place ourselves in submission to them and we abide and follow their authority. Now, is this authority without limitation? No, of course not. There are limits to this authority. We we do not mindlessly and and absolutely submit to everything sinful humans tell us to do. Because above submitting to man, we must submit to God. Therefore, any law or any command from from our authority that would require us to sin against God, we must not submit to that. We must always submit to the higher authority, which in this case, and in every case, is God. In fact, even the apostles, when when their governing authorities required them to, to stop preaching the gospel, they responded, how? By saying, we must obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29 But I don't think you need to be reminded or pushed in those limitations. What I mean is... Most Christians are well aware of the fact that we need to obey God rather than men. I think most of us need to be pushed in the area of submitting to our earthly and governing authorities. We're all waiting to hear about, well, what's that exception? I think we all know what that exception is, but it does need to be stated. I think maybe where most of us struggle is in the actual submitting to our governing authorities. We live in a country that, that, that often promotes the culture of rebellion. Stick it to the man. Resist. Rebel. If you don't like something, then don't do it. If you disagree with them, then don't obey them. If they've done something you don't like, cancel them. This is the culture that is being pressed onto us. It's not a biblical mindset. It's not a biblical view. Of authority. We are not called to rebel against our governing authorities. We are called to submit to them. Whether you agree with their decisions or not. That is not a factor on whether you submit to them or not. Are your authorities asking you to do something that is sinful against God? No? Well then submit. End of discussion. Sadly many times... Christians can forget this simple command and instead they become so focused and become so passionate about maybe taking sides on a political spectrum. Be careful not to get caught up in the political arguments and debates and losing focus on what is most important. Or should we desire that the government makes decisions that honors God, decisions that are not blatantly sinful? Yes. And one day you guys will have the opportunity to vote and you should use that freedom wisely. In fact, some, some of you in this room will be able to vote in the next election. And you should use that freedom wisely. One day, even now. You will be able to use your freedom of speech to proclaim to others how you believe the government can make better decisions. Yes, those things are important. But but notice what I said earlier. I said not to lose focus on what is most important. Those things are not most important. What's, What's more important than taking sides of a political party? How are you representing the gospel to the world around you? How are you showing love and grace to others? How are you obeying God in how you respond to your governing authorities? How are your choices and your actions and your speech honoring and glorifying to God? I believe those are more important. I mean, look at the example of Jesus. Even he, who is God, placed himself under and submitted to earthly, sinful authorities. you realize that? In fact, most Jews believe that the Messiah would come and liberate them from political injustice. But this was not at all Christ's priority. In fact, he barely even spoke of the matter. The only recorded statement that really speaks on this is found in Matthew 22:21, when he says, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He did not come to reform unjust political powers. His priority was the work of his father. His priority was souls, not government structure. In fact, that is the priority of his people as well. At least it ought to be. Jesus did not ascend into heaven saying, Make sure you fix all the corrupt government in the world. See you later. He didn't say that. He ascended saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, Mark 16, 15. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19. That's his priority for us. What are your priorities? What are your priorities? Sometimes Christians can, can have more zeal and passion towards a toward political party than they, than they do in preaching to the lost. Sometimes Christians have more passion about how unjust the the governing authorities are than they do about bringing glory to God. Are you here to preach the gospel to all creation like Christ said? Are you here to make disciples of all nations like Christ said? Are you living for his kingdom or are you living for the kingdoms of this earth? Submission to our governing authorities is is not about whether you you agree with them or not. It's not about making a, a stand and making a statement. It's about obedience to God. Be subject to your governing authorities. Now, what does that look like in your life? What does that even look like in your life to be subject to the governing authorities? Maybe you feel like, look, man, I'm... I'm young. I don't. I don't interact with politics. I don't. I don't interact with governing authorities. Like this really doesn't apply to me. And, and I understand that feeling, right? I started off telling you, like when, when I was, even still now, I don't really care that much about politics. But even, especially when I was your age, I was like, well, I don't even know what's going on. I don't really care. Uh, but I do think this can apply to you more than you might think. I'll give an example. I I remember when I was younger, when I was your age. Downloading a free music instead of buying it was the thing to do. I don't know if it's still the thing to do, uh, but it was definitely the thing to do when I was your age, okay? Uh, and and, and that, that's what we did. Like we, 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 we would we would download it, and, and instead of buying the CDs at Best Buy or, or Circuit City, uh, or, or it, it, instead of downloading it on iTunes, kind of the only place you could you could download the music, uh, we, we would have these websites in which. You, you, you go and download it for free, and it's like sweet. I don't have to pay for it. I don't have to go and buy the CD. I don't have to download it from iTunes. I, I can just download it for free on this weird Russian website. Like this is great. No, that's stealing. And that's against the law. And the excuses were they they know it's happening. Like they don't they don't really care. Or. They make so much money anyways. Like they they, they kind of account for this. Or if it was really illegal, it wouldn't be so easy to do. Or literally everyone does it. It's not a big deal. These are just excuses to justify what is sin. You want to be subject to your governing authorities? Obey the law. Always. Always doesn't matter that everyone else isn't obeying the law. You obey the law. You be subject to your governing authorities. Next, the second command we see. Christians are to pay their taxes. Christians are to pay their taxes. Taxes. (laughs) Taxes. Taxes, taxes. For most in this room, (laughs) taxes probably aren't a huge deal to you right now. Unless your parents tax you your allowance. I don't know. Uh, But most of you, it's probably not a big deal. But even so, believe it or not, taxes, it is part of the word of God. And we need to understand how to interact with taxes in a biblical way that honors God. Because I can almost guarantee you this. One day you will be paying taxes in some way or another. And when that day comes, you may or may not like. You you, you may or may not agree with how the government is managing your tax dollars. You may feel the taxes are taken from you at a higher rate or, 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 or a lower rate than you wish. You may feel your taxes are going towards things you support or maybe things going towards things you don't support. There will be times... When you are happy with the way the government spends your tax dollars. There will be times when you are not happy with how they spend your tax dollars. Regardless, Christian, you are to pay the taxes that your governing authority says you are to pay. Period. You are never to cheat your taxes. You are never to be dishonest about your taxes. You are never to steal money back from the government. You pay what is owed. You pay the taxes that you are due. Yeah, but the government's not being wise and they're being unfair and unjust in my taxes, so so I'm just making up for their bad decisions. No. This is not not up to you to balance the scales based on what you believe is, is right and just. At the end of the day, they will be held responsible to God on if they use their power and position rightly or not. What you are responsible for is how you respond, not how they respond. Will you respond rightly? And what is rightly? What does Paul say here? Uh, we're going to jump to verse 6. Verse 6 and 7. He says at the end of our passage that we read here. Verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Verse 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. When Jesus was asked about this, what was his response? We, we heard it earlier. Render to Caesar. What is Caesar's? His concern was not on how just or unjust the taxes are. And their taxes were very unjust. His concern was how we are to respond. And here in this verse as well, Paul's not concerned with how just or unjust the taxes are. His concern is how we are to respond. There are times when we have a say, when we can speak and we can vote on what we think is best. But at the end of the day, when our governing authorities say this is what you owe, then we are to be subject to our governing authorities, and we are to pay our taxes accordingly. It's not a, it, it, it's now a matter of obedience to God. God says to pay your taxes according to what you owe, so we pay according to what we owe. Now, just like any command from God, it's not just the action that God is concerned about; but it's about your heart. And we can pay our taxes in a way that dishonors God. Grumbling and complaining. Or we can pay our taxes honoring God with trust in God's sovereignty. Humility of our own minds and grace for even those we disagree with. Pay your taxes and do so with a worshipful heart that honors God. And the last command that we see here. Is that Christians are to give to others what is owed. Christians are to give to others what is owed. Verse 7. Paid to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. The point Paul is making... Is that we are to give to others what they are owed, whether it be taxes or revenue or respect or honor. And again, this is in the context of those who are the governing authorities in our lives. And in a lot of ways, it has become the social norm to to dishonor, to disrespect our governing authorities. The the opposite political party got got voted in. Then then you slander them. Then then, then you want them to fail. You you, you wish upon their failure. That you make fun of them. that, that, That you create slogans that bash them. Hashtag three letters against them. Whatever it may be. This is not giving honor and respect to those who are due. And remember... Or at least, maybe not remember, maybe no, for the first time. We said it a long time ago in Romans. That Paul is saying this in the midst of Nero being his governing authority. Nero. And he's saying, you pay taxes, you give what is owed, you give honor and respect to who it's owed to. And I'm not saying that you need to agree with everything your governing authority says. I'm not saying that you need to pretend like, that, like you, you, you like all of their decisions. But God has placed them as an authority over your life. And you need to give them respect and honor. It's very different than what our culture says today. Christians should not be people who are seen as, as the world's revolutionaries against the, the governmental political powers. People who are in rebellion against the earthly authorities. We have to be people who are able to stand up for truth. But are able to do so in a way that honors and respects those in authority over us. Always stand up for truth. We do not compromise the truth of God. But we stand up for truth in a way that honors and respects them. Maybe you want to explore this deeper in your discussion groups or at home. Um, maybe look at Daniel and his friends. And, and how they stood up for truth and they did so. In a respectful way to their authorities. All right, that's the commands. Let's look at the reasons. Verses one through five. We're going to look at four reasons that I'm I'm outlining here. The first is this: Why 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 do we? Uh, well, what are reasons to obey these commands? First, resisting authorities is ultimately resisting God. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Resisting authorities is ultimately resisting God. Whatever authority has been put in place in your life has been put there by the sovereign, perfect hand of God. You understand that? I love how how one commentary put it saying this. Quote, No matter what form it takes. No human government at any time in history, at any place on earth, among any people on earth, at any level of society, has ever existed or will ever exist apart from the sovereign authority of God. Because all power belongs to God. Psalm 62, 11, end quote. It covers the whole spectrum. Every authority at every place at every time has been put there by God. Because God is sovereign. He is completely sovereign. No one is in their position by mistake or without God allowing them to be put in that position. It's easy to believe in God's sovereignty over earthly rulers when good rulers are in place. Sure. What about when bad rulers are ruling? What about like at this time when Nero was ruling? What about when Adolf Hitler was ruling? What about Joseph Stalin? What about these evil men who are put in position to be governing authorities? Would God even allow and be sovereign over these people being put in these positions? Yes. Even these authorities have been established by God. There never has and there never will in all of history be a ruler anywhere on earth that has not been placed there by the sovereign hand of God. And so we must trust the sovereign hand of God. And we must submit to, not resist, the authorities in our life. When we resist the authorities in our life, we are ultimately resisting God. Because God is the one who established these authorities. So you must understand there's there's more going on here than than just you rebelling and resisting your your governing authorities. You are in rebellion and resisting against God. Look at what it says in verse 1 and 2. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God Has appointed. You see this has to do. With the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. Do you believe. And and trust and submit yourself. To the sovereignty of God. If you say yes. That means that you also submit. To the governing authorities. That he has sovereignly placed. In your life. Those who exercise authority over you. Do so. Because God has sovereignly put them there to do so. Do you trust that? Trust in the sovereignty of God. And this is not a promise that God has put people in position who will make all the best choices and decisions and who will make your life easier. But you can be assured that God sovereignly, wisely, and perfectly placed that person in that position. And you can be assured that even if this authority brings you hardship, as Paul's authority brought him hardship, it is for your good. It is for his glory. And it is not outside of his perfect will. So when when so-and-so, whoever so-and-so is, who, when so-and-so becomes the next president, we have nothing to fear. Because in a way... God voted for that person. And his vote is the vote that counts. You see what I mean? Trust in the sovereignty of God. Next. There are consequences for rebellion. What the Oh. Oops. Next. There are consequences for rebellion. There are consequences for rebellion. Listen to uh, verse 2b and 4b. Verse 2b, those who resist will incur judgment. 4b, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now in this context, I, I don't believe Paul is saying that That God is the one directly who inflicts this judgment. But rather that it is the governing authorities in which he has placed sovereignly in our lives who do so. And rightfully so. In the sense of that that there are punishments for our crimes. There are consequences for our actions. You should not be surprised. nor, Nor should you be resistant to the punishments that are brought down to you by our governing authorities when you have acted wrongly. But we need to take responsibility and ownership for our actions and willingly accept the punishments that we deserve. You know, as, as a school teacher, I, I hear so many complaints from students that when, when, they, when they do something wrong and, and they receive discipline, they, they say things like, oh, come on, that's so unfair. Or, oh, come on, you're really going to give me detention? That's so dumb. <laughs> unfair? <laughs> dumb? You're the one who did something wrong. And you expect that there's no consequences for your actions? Understand that part of the God-given role and responsibility of governing authorities is to implement punishment for wrongdoings. So let us not resist or, or, or resent those who rightfully give us the punishments that we deserve. But instead, take full responsibility for your actions. And understand that there are consequences for your actions. And let that be a motivation to submit to your governing authorities. Next, authorities are placed there for our good. Authorities are placed there for our good. While authorities are often seen as a bad thing by many, I think often by young people. A lot of people don't grow out of that, I suppose. Authorities are often seen as a bad thing. But we must see them as a blessing. We must see them as a blessing. Now, I want to be clear. Sin is a horrible thing. And sin corrupts that which is good. Governing authorities are a good thing. It is good and it is right. And it is a blessing to have governing authorities in our lives. But I also understand that governing authorities are corrupt. And some are more corrupt than others. I even think our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world can attest to that. Maybe even more so than, than we realize and understand and experience. But even so, governing authorities, even despite their sinful corruption, are still there for our good. And what we don't want, although some think they want this... What we don't want is to live in a lawless society and to live with no ruler. How did that work out for Israel? (laughs) How about Judges 21-25? It says, Israel had no king and everyone did as he saw fit. It did not work out very well for them. If everyone does what they see fit, then our sin will just take over and we will not be held in check. Governing authorities are there for our good. Now I want to examine two ways in which they're for our good, as we see in this passage. The first is to restrain evil. To restrain evil. Verse 3 says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. They're to restrain evil. Even though men are sinful, even though men may deny God, the law is still written on their hearts. Remember earlier in Romans? Even our governing authorities, the law is written on their hearts. They know the truth. Sometimes they suppress that truth. Oftentimes they suppress that truth. But even so, in their knowledge of what is good and evil, as it's written on their hearts, most governing authorities will promote laws that restrain evil, such as laws that restrain murder or or theft or violence or sexual immorality. Whatever it may be, we see laws that restrain this evil. The government is there to help restrain evil. For if there were no governing authorities and if there were no consequences for our sin, even though they won't call it sin... How much more would men seek to do evil with no punishment, with no repercussions? And part of the good of governing authorities is to help restrain the evil in this world. But secondly, it's to promote goodness. Not just to restrain evil, but also to promote goodness. Look at verse, uh, the end of verse 3 into verse 4. Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Despite your opinion on, on certain political stances, and despite the corruption of sin that, that, that w- within these authorities, governing authorities are used to promote goodness. That God in His grace even uses sinful, unbelieving people to show mercy and goodness and grace to others. And these people maybe have bad motives. Maybe they want to do good for the world, for their own political gain, status, for them to feel good about themselves, for them to get more votes, for them to get more money, whatever it may be. But even so, God still uses them to promote goodness. What might that look like? Maybe to 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 help the poor and the needy, those that 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 need food and money. Maybe to to create programs to help educate. Maybe to, to, to give justice to the oppressed. And so on and so forth. We see that God uses the governing authorities in our lives to promote goodness in this world. That God in his great wisdom and sovereignty and power even uses unbelieving people to exercise his good and perfect will. Man, incredible. So even so, our governing authorities... Or therefore are therefore good. And lastly, the last reason is for the sake of your own conscience. For the sake of your own conscience. Verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but listen to this, but also for the sake of conscience. For the sake of your own conscience. Our last motive, I think, is a very important one because it deals with the inner person. And fear of punishment can be a good motivation to obey. But now Paul brings in our own conscience. And I think it's an even greater motivation. This is saying that you should obey because it's the right thing. You should submit to your governing authorities because in doing so, you're submitting to the will of God. This is now dealing with the heart. If you are a Christian and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, there ought to be a, a conviction when, when we disobey and we disrespect our governing authorities. And, and, and there ought to be a desire to live in a way that shows obedience to our authorities and ultimately showing obedience to God. The way in which Christians respond to their governing authorities ought to be different than how the world responds. Because the Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and the Christian should therefore desire to do what is pleasing to God. Regardless if submitting to your authority is is convenient or not, whether it's popular or not, or enjoyable or not, or even if you agree with them or not, we're to still submit. Because it's pleasing to God and it honors Him when we submit to our governing authorities. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit convicts and leads, and pricks your conscience, you ought to listen to that and do as the Lord wills. Christian, we we, we ought to be the best citizens. Because now you, Christian, recognize that the authority over you has been given to you by God. And because you seek to submit to God above all else, therefore you seek to submit to your governing authorities in a way that honors God. Not in the sense, I'm not saying the best citizen in the sense that you agree with everything that the governing authorities say. No, again, we still stand up for truth. We must. We do not compromise the truth of God. But you ought to be the best citizen in the sense that you live in a way that shows love and humility and grace and mercy. You ought to live in a way that is an example of Jesus Christ to the world around you. As you submit to your governing authorities, Paul says, do so for the sake of your own conscience. The gospel changes everything. And what we've seen in the last several weeks is that if you have truly been saved by the grace of God in placing your faith in Jesus Christ, then it will result in sacrificially living for God. And the sacrificial living affects every area in your life. And we've seen how it affects your interaction with other believers. And we've seen how it affects your interaction with your enemies. And now we see how it affects your interaction with your governing authorities. You are a Christian. If you're here tonight and you are a Christian, I ask you, will you live a sacrificial life to God? Even in the way in which you view and you interact you speak of and you respond to your governing authorities and as you do this and even as you fail to do this because we will always remember the gospel always remember the gospel and always remember what Christ has accomplished on your behalf don't ever forget that we must remember who we are apart from Christ We must remember that we, apart from Christ, are wretched, spiritually dead sinners that are enemies of God, that are are hostile to God, that that, that we are alienated from God. There's a wall of hostility between us and we want nothing to do with Him. We have to remember that because of this and because of our sin and rebellion against God, it leaves us hopeless, unable to make ourselves right before God. That doesn't matter of how much good that we do it doesn't matter how, how much effort we put in to, to this relationship with God we're spiritually dead we cannot save ourselves we cannot make ourselves more attractive to God but then Christ changes everything enters Jesus and he accomplishes everything on our behalf he lives the perfect life that we need to live but, have to do so. but I have failed to do so that I have failed to do so that you have failed to do so. We must remember, apart from Christ, we stand guilty before God. And standing guilty before God, we have nothing else to offer Him except for our sin. And standing guilty before God, the only thing we deserve is His eternal wrath. And remember what Christ has done on your behalf, Christian, that He took that wrath that He took the wrath that you deserved and He bore on the cross and He gave you His righteousness that you may be innocent before God. You cannot forget the gospel. If by the grace of God He has given you a heart of repentance and He has given you faith to believe, then as a result He has rescued you from your sin and your guilt and the wrath of God. And he's given you a new heart. And with this new heart comes new desires. And now, Christian, you desire to live for him. Do you desire to live for him? Do you desire to live a sacrificial life to God? Do you, out of an abundant love towards God, you desire to deny yourself, to pick up your cross daily and to follow him? Well, here's one way that you can do so. The way in which you interact with your government authorities. Don't forget the gospel. Maybe you are not a new creation and maybe you are not in Christ. If so, I urge you to come to him. Bow the knee to Christ as your Lord. Submit to him. And confess your sins to him. Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. And place your faith in the finished saving work of Jesus Christ. Jesus changes everything. Let us love him. Let us live for him. Let us worship him. Let me pray. Well, God, I pray indeed that we live in worship to you. Even, God, in the ways in which we, we view and speak of and interact and respond to our governing authorities. I pray that we would do so in a way that honors you, that we would do so in a way that worships you. Lord, help us in a society in which is very hostile towards our governing authorities. It's very disrespectful towards our governing authorities. Lord, I pray that we would be different, that we would trust in your sovereignty, that we would be obedient to your word. Lord, help us stand up for truth always and never compromise on your truth and your word, but help us do so, God, in a way that is loving and gracious and respectful according to what is appropriate. Lord, I pray you would convict us where we need conviction, change us where we need changing. But give us the eyes to see to see our sin, to see your glory. I pray you would even be with us in this time, or let it be a fruitful time, an edifying time, to your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.